Don't Don't sneeze. We're recording. Where we are. Oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. Well, uh, it is Friday. Thing. Welcome to the Key in the Lake podcast. This is your host, Jake Hookie. I'm here with Wilson Torres, as always. He's about to sneeze. Now he's holding it in I'm for dear it. life. We have a special co-host with us today, Matthew D. Brown. Ooh, That's a great yawn. Up. Great, great Ooh. introduction for that from Matt there. I went to sleep uh, after our last recording. And you just woke up just two woke weeks up later? Yeah. That was two weeks ago. Yeah, that was two oh, weeks ago. was it? Yeah. You've missed so much. I need to make, I need to, I need to make some phone calls. And filling in there is Alan Clark, who is our guest today on the show. Welcome What's up, Alan? Alan? Hi, guys. How are you? What's the proper greeting for the Scottish? Uh, Hello. Hello, or all right. A punch, all right. A punch, right. A punch the face. All right, mate. Why is it so violent with I'm you guys? always so violent. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a soccer thing, I think. I feel. It, yeah, tension you, is have, you, you have a few potential hooligans here, Wilson. <clears throat> You're outnumbered. That's okay. I'm talking to the mic, too. That would help. <laughs> um, but Alan is here today to join us. He's one of the brand ambassadors from Avalor who came over from Scotland to the States to represent his company, which uh, we thought would be a really cool uh, conversation to have. But first things first, Alan, I've heard that you are talking to my fiance over email. Oh, What's yes. that all about? Yeah. Well, maybe I have to talk about that later. It's funny like, how like, small it, it kind of shows how this uh, industry really is. We uh, met Alan back at Barrel Night um, for Chicago Meg. Was that February? February. February. Yeah, it was like going on two, two, three months ago. Now. Yeah, and Matt then forgot about that show. Matt did forget about that show. <laughs> I forgot about that show. Yeah, I just <laughs> took a few photos, so and then drank much, way too much Westland. I, it uh, went into uh, the email about Chicago Barrel Night. Went into my important things uh, email folder. Never to <laughs> Never come to out again. Open. Never <laughs> to relive. Uh, no, we met Alan there. Um, Wilson, you also met. That night too, yeah, I believe. Briefly up towards the end when okay. we were all loading. Cool. Up. And then um, I just I, I can't remember the conversation of how it came up with Mary. Your name came up with Mary Scala and Yeah, we met at a little uh, a little whiskey taste in it. Okay. Um, a corporate environment actually. Oh, that's and, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. were, at the, they were at the booth next to us and um, Chicago we were, Bourbon, right? Yeah. We just yeah. we just kind of got we just kind of got chatting and then. She yeah. was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I believe. And uh, it was yeah, yeah, it was so funny because she brought up your name and she thought you worked for Lafroy for some reason. I'm like, I don't think so, because <laughs> and then I brought up Brittany since yeah. she's um, the social media marketing for Lafroy, and then somehow like that night your name came up that like, oh yeah, we were talking over email and this and that, and I don't know, it just all goes from there. And here but we are, now. very small world that so, comes into and here. And I bumped into you at uh, Mary's event. Oh yeah. Long ago, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was. Uh, we should recorded that conversation. Chit chat lines, yeah. The chit chat. Uh, Shout chit-chat. out to Chef Lamar Moore, Dustin. I can't pronounce his last name. Drinkowitz. <laughs> Is it Drinkowitz? That's how I would say it. I don't know. Fantastic little night there, though. Fantastic that was a good night, yeah. yeah Great fun. cocktails. No, it's some place that we uh, all should hang out more. We're trying to record a podcast down there at some point. Um, trying Speaking to get of cocktails. Yeah. Alan, what, what are we drinking? What are we drinking? So what I've brought along this Not afternoon, cocktails. gentlemen, is uh, <laughs> Aberlour Cascanam. So Cascanam means rare cask in Scottish Gaelic. It is the, the latest release from Aberlour. Um, the first time that we're kind of... Well, obviously, Aberlour is famous for double cast maturation, mm. ex-American oak, ex-European sherry casks. This time, we're stepping up into triple cast maturation. So two ex-American oak casks. We're using an ex-American barrel, ex-bourbon barrel, nice. ex-American hogshead, which stands a little bit bigger, mm. changes the interaction with the wood, and then also the ex-European sherry cask. So coming in at 48%, non-chill filtered, small batch production. So this is batch number one that we've got today. So and start drinking yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, and, um, Don't let me out. Yeah. Lovely, no. As Thank I you. say, it's, uh, it's a spectacular single malt and yeah, just kind of 
stepping in a little bit of a different direction yeah. um, as opposed to what we have been doing with the double cast maturation. Obviously, um, the small batch production of Abuna took off as a huge cult following now all over the world and hmm. um, trying to hope that this has some sort of the, the same following in a, in a few years. Very cool. Can I, can I ask a question about the double cask process? Yeah. So <clears throat> when... That means it's two barrels, bro. Oh, thank oh. you. <laughs> Great. Next question. <laughs> so when... We're done. Is it the same, like, 70 liters or 50 gallons of whiskey from that travels through the three casks, or is there a blending process in oh, between? So what, yeah. what happens is um, basically they'll mature the cask separately, and then what they'll do is they'll marry it together at the end in like a stainless steel vat. Uh-huh. Um, so other companies, some companies will do, for instance, if they were doing a 12-year-old, and maybe do six years in one and then transfer it six years into the other. Aberlauer just keeps them separate for that period of time okay. and then marries them together just at, before bottling. Okay, at the end. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, how long, so when they're blended, they're just blended, they're ready to go as is. Yeah, so what they'll do is they'll blend it and then obviously the master distiller, the, the blending team will, will work on it and then once it's ready, they'll... They'll, uh, they'll bottle it um, or send it to the bottling halls and it'll be bottled Sweet. from there. It's How long is it aged for? So it's a non-age statement. Um, again, as I say, we're taking a little bit of inspiration from the Abuna, which was sure. kind, of, right. kind of almost like a, uh, a trailblazer for non-age statement whiskey released okay. in 1998. So yeah. quite a, a long time before some others that have kind of come into the, the market now. But yeah. yeah it's, it. And definitely it's something you're seeing throughout Scotch world yeah. a little bit more prevalent these days. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's obviously lots of different um, kind of reasoning yeah. reasons behind <laughs> it. Everybody has a new approach to it. But yeah, like um, whether it's to do with stocks, whether it's to do with showcasing that younger whiskey can mm-hmm. be fantastic. Abuna is a, a prime example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll probably rattle on about that a little bit too yeah, much yeah. this afternoon. No, but no. Um, no. it is really a, a kind of a showcase example of how good non-age statement whiskey can be. Right. And, yeah. and certainly uh, a great example of uh, scotch and ex-bourbon barrels. And I think it was a lot of, at least f- for the people I know who weren't really into single, uh, uh, well, uh, single cast scotch, single malt, uh, I wanted to say, who weren't really big fans of single malt and drank a lot of bourbon. It was mm. a lot of their, like, you know, Rosetta yes. Stones into Yeah, yeah. so that kind of dominant flavor profile that it carries is, transcends across kind of categories so much of yeah, so much bourbon on there for yeah. sure so yeah that's the thing the, 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 two, yeah. the two types of American American oak coming mm-hmm. through just gives it that kind of softer lighter yeah. style and flavour coming in at 40 per, 48% so it's a little bit more in that kind of line with that with Good. the bourbon a because bit a as Jamie Duffy said last week 40% is for Tuesdays <laughs> that's a breakfast whiskey. That's a breakfast, a breakfast whiskey. whiskey. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Put that in your oatmeal in the morning. Tuesdays you got a good start to the Mondays. day. Wilson yes. used to drink a lot of uh, breakfast whiskey back at Cobol. Yeah, I used to drink. Yeah, my orange juice. <laughs> yeah. We put our the Oats. 100% oat whiskey the oat in the whiskey. orange juice. Yeah, we used to call it the oat J. <laughs> pretty, pretty tasty, actually. Yeah, it's good, yeah, right? good stuff. I, never actually tasted I tried to buy Matt a, a pour of oat whiskey at the Green Tavern last week, and you wouldn't accept it. Why, dude? <clears throat> Uh, uh, well, cause what can I say about he was that? So, he was crying, I, about I, yeah, um, was crying about Liverpool losing didn't, Rio. Uh, didn't want to drink it. That's probably the reason. <laughs> it, was too, it was too early in the day. Too early in the day for that, maybe. And I, and I um, didn't want it. Like 1.30. I didn't want it. I didn't want to drink it. 
It's true. Yeah, it didn't. That's like a good point. We'll just leave it right there. And I didn't. All right. Great to know, Matt. <laughs> Dude, Anything I like else the willpower. I like the willpower. No. Okay. Great NFL shirt. Go ahead and burn that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not allowed. <laughs> just on a little side note, we, we do have a little soccer section, I would say, almost every other uh, conversation here on the podcast, Which especially when Matt is having. So. Um, his beloved Liverpool are playing in the Champions League final because of some sort of a miracle that happened this week. Uh, it was very crazy. Two miracles actually well, happened this week. It wasn't a miracle as much as a, a big red steam mm. steam engine. A just big red steam running, piece running of shit. straight through the Barcelona It took them a second Vanguard. chance, though, right? Yeah. To get this well, right? We, we had to them, get this right? Because they get, lost the first match. To if, anyone, if anyone so knows... So it took a strong second If match. anyone knows Liverpool European history, mm. three being down 3-0 is exactly where we want yeah. an opponent. Yeah, you don't want to be us. You don't want to have, have Steven Gerrard to have the ball, you know, and maybe slip or anything like that and be up. You want to be down... Very, it was what 2005? Uh, yes. Current, ever? current yeah. Rangers uh, a manager Steven Gerrard and former, yeah. former Liverpool midfielder. Um, yes, it's very relevant to this current stock of Liverpool players who are just yeah. burning uh, down yeah, Europe yeah. left and right. Burning down Europe. General, over here yeah. General Tecumseh Shirtman uh, marching inevitably <laughs> to the sea. As he did, so are we towards Madrid to bring home the Champions League Christ, final, man. our rightful is trophy. Anyone, is anyone else still awake? Yeah, yeah right. Let's he just turn that. Up. Let's, let's turn that waiting. off. He's debating. Any, uh, any Celtic news? He's debating the stadium. Celtic play Rangers this weekend. Big game. Big game in Glasgow. The whole city is divided. Um, Stephen Gerrard, obviously the Liverpool connection, the Rangers manager. Yeah, definitely. So um, we'll see. Celtic have won the league already and uh, have the Scottish Cup final to look forward to but no big news um, <laughs> coming out the coming out the city as yet we'll see how uh, Sunday goes and whether I'll be speaking to any of my my friends who are Rangers fans I like we'll that I wish I wish I had more friends like that more Sox fans I'm <laughs> <laughs> as I'm looking at Matt who's wearing a Sox hat Starting to feel a little attacked. You know, uh, I should have been earlier, it's, but it's now I'm really feeling. Stash that you're yeah, oh yeah, right you also have a great porno stash <laughs> from 1978. So I always have a mustache. You guys are crazy now. <laughs> I mean, usually I've had a mustache for years. There's usually a beard to accompany. Well, that's the, also true. Are yeah. these supposed to be handlebars? What is this? What, this what's this part right here? What's this? Uh, I don't know. I that's the Fu Manchu of it all. Ah, oh, the Fu Manchu. Yeah. It causes me great anxiety to trim a beard. So every once in a while, I'll just uh, get tired of it and just. <laughs> Why, that's why I just don't grow facial hair because I can't. That that's an option too. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Sometimes I cut. I when I have a shave, I sometimes leave the little mustache just to see how it would look. Yep. Yeah. Leave it for two minutes and then realize, nah, I'm gonna nah. get arrested if I go I, outside. <laughs> my, I don't know why you guys are complaining about my mustache. I've gotten plenty of compliments from the little guy in the mirror. Your parents don't so count. Your parents don't count. Your wife doesn't count. Your daughter doesn't count. You know. You're assuming incorrectly that my wife would compliment my appearance <laughs> at all. Ever. Nonetheless, my current face. Hair configuration. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had a compliment yesterday what I was wearing, and some girl asked me, Did your girlfriend dress you? I'm like, What the yeah. heck? Come on. Yeah, Come really? on. Oh, man. Yeah, that's fucked like, up. Well, and whatever. she nodded silently. <laughs> <laughs> Excitedly. First of all, by myself, so she oh, wasn't there. Yeah. Okay. Um, but no, it's, uh, it's, it's okay to look good every once in a while I, and have I, a little mustache going on. I got to change it up a little bit. But sure, maybe sure. we should get back to our I guest. I don't know. What do you think? Welcome Matt? to Mustache Cast yeah. with Matt Brown. Mm-hmm. I'd like to welcome my uh, guest today, it's, Wilson. It's better, it's better than the Jake Huggy, yeah, Alan Clark. 
That's Clark. what. Yeah, Alan Clark. Well, Alan, um, back to you and not Matt's uh, nah, facial I'm hair. The studies, but yeah, gosh, no, man, maybe we can get a grooming sponsorship yeah. out of that. But uh, we're still looking for a sponsorship, by the way. Also, big uh, ups to Beguile. We're still recording yeah, for free because they don't. Rec- they haven't realized that we're recording a podcast up here yet after almost three months of recording a podcast and doing that for quite some time. They have a lot of flamingos. Yeah, I think they just think we're coming in and inspecting. The <laughs> yeah, 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 like oh, have a few beer, have a beer here, there, there you go. Promote the podcast or promote the brewery. Well, it's it's uh, release day for um, boat shoes. One boat of my shoes, beers that they make, it's and they have a style. twist to it this year. They do have a twist, no pun intended. They added lime this year to yeah. a second oh. to one of the to the second variation of it, which is the first time they've ever done that. Yeah, for, uh, actually, into the whole brewing process, so the limes already yeah. built into the flavor. So that's obviously what the captain's hats are for. Yeah, right, so they're having a party right, up here. Love boat thing going yeah, on cool. here. Yeah. So, we gotta, so Wilson will be wearing one of them later. Uh, on I'm surprised he's not already <laughs> wearing them. <laughs> 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 but no, uh, kind of get back to uh, to Alan here. Um, what brought you into this whole distil- uh, distilling scene? I mean, you know you. Have a little bit of kind of a legacy past and yeah, a well, story you share. A legacy would maybe be putting it a bit, uh, putting it a bit <laughs> nicely, but um, yeah. <laughs> no. So yeah, grew up in Speyside, heartland of Scotch whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't take a huge amount of interest in it initially because I guess it's like anything when it's on your doorstep, you really kind of you know, it's always going to be there. You don't really yeah. take much notice. My dad works in the industry, so he works in the production side. So he was, um, well, when I was born, we were at uh, Ardmore mm. Distillery. Okay. Um, he used to work for Old Allied, which then became part of Chivas. Um, so, yeah, we, we kind of, I grew up there, and kind of my first memories are kind of in Ardmore Distillery. We used to stay in the brewer's house and oh. um, stayed there for a couple of years. And then we moved to a small town called Forest which is in the northeast of Scotland, Speyside, um, when I was about four years old um, and was lucky enough to grow up there. It's a very small town, only about 10, 15,000 people, mm. yeah. um, but right next to, to the heartland of whiskey, obviously we've got about a stone's throw away from, from where I stayed was Glenbergie Distillery, yeah. um, which is where my dad was. And then within the region, you've obviously got Glenlivet, Glenfiddich, McAllen, Aberlour, yeah. um, huge, huge whiskey production. That's awesome. production Definitely area. names that people will recognize here in the States, too. <coughs> Definitely. Excuse me, yeah. Um, some of the, the, well, the top selling whiskeys, single malts um, in the world, and obviously the home of, of some of the biggest selling blends as well. We've got Cardew, which is kind of the spiritual home of Johnny Walker. Mm-hmm. Mm. We've got Strathyla, the spiritual home of Shivish Regal. Glenbergie's the kind of home of Ballantyne. So you've got the... The, oh, the big whiskeys up there, yeah. yeah. So, so when, yeah, when did you start taking interest in it? I mean, I know you said I was kind of the same way with my dad. He was a high school principal. I'm like, I don't want nothing to do with that either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, it was. Uh, but I guess education in a way would be kind of a cool thing to do. Would be a teacher, but making thirty thousand dollars a year, maybe not the, the best route there. Only um, I mean, if you would have stayed in Iowa, stayed in Iowa, Illinois though, you get paid some money, get some bones on yeah. that. Yeah, you get some bones only in the suburbs too. I feel bad for those Chicago-based teachers, but. No, we'll stick to dis- we'll stick to distilling. We'll stick to distilling. Yeah, yeah, subject subject yeah. yeah. more than education, I guess. <coughs> um, but yeah, when did you start to take a little bit more of an interest in the whole scene? So I was working. I was actually when I like grew up. Um, kind of, my dad would come in and he would talk about things at dinner and stuff, and I'd have no interest in it. I'd be like, turn that TV up. <laughs> um, but uh, we'd come back in, and I would away to university, studied international business down in Glasgow. And both my sisters had worked summertime um, from university. They'd both worked as tour guides at Glenlivet. Oh, wow. um, sorry, Glenlivet and Strathyla. So 
it was a good way to make money. Obviously, it's kind of a seasonal job. So you, you come in in like March and April and you finish in September. So perfect for the university kind of season. Okay. And I worked in, I was a lifeguard and I worked in a bar um, in my first year of university, but it was quite sporadic. Okay. So you were getting shifts here, there and everywhere. And some weeks you'd be earning great money, other weeks you'd be earning nothing. Yeah. And um, in my second year of university, I was like, I want something full time. I want something in the summer where I'm going to be like earning good money. So went back and I actually applied to work at, um, to work at Glenlivet as a tour guide. And the thing was, you, you went through the whole interview process up at Glenlivet with the heritage team there and got the job. Um, but they asked me if I wanted to. There's that sneeze he's been after There's for ages. Me, yeah. there <laughs> sorry. It only, it only took about 40 minutes or so. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, um, sorry. And yeah, as I say, worked, got the got the job and the expectation was to go up and work at Glenlivet. Okay. And I was quite excited because at Glenlivet, huge, huge distillery, obviously. Of course. And they take in about... 10 to 15 students every year so oh, wow. lots of people my age oh, going in and wow. taking the tours great team huge team and I was like this will be class this will be a good laugh yeah, everyone yeah. having a bit of a carry on you know um, <laughs> and learning a little bit and earning good money however the opportunity came up to go to Aberlour obviously as part of Chivas there was the opportunity to go there which is very very small kind yeah. of the other end of the scale so at Aberlour and the heritage team there was only five people Okay. and well four and then I was going to be the fifth um, there was one other student, um, a lovely girl called Emma Reed, fantastic, one of my best friends now. Um, give her a wee shout out. She do you still out. email her too? What? I still email her too. Don't worry. She gets this, I actually just send the same email to lots of different people. I bet you do. Your fiance and Emma are both on the same email list. <laughs> she might make an appearance today, by the way. Um, oh, yeah. When, when you're, you're married, you, you, Ella just turned you, a shade, bro. <laughs> when Ella you're married, you will not care at all about oh, emails no, and man. stuff like I that. I think I stopped caring a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> we have been together for like seven years, so yeah. Oh. It. Back to Alan. You're just Alan. a dog with a bone in your email thing. I have a dog. Oh, oh. okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question about Glenlivet's proximity to Glasgow and Aberlour. Yeah. Are they very close to your university as well? Um, so Glasgow would be about three hours south of oh, wow. that okay. region. Um, okay. So where I stayed in Forest was about three and a half hours. Sure. About half an hour kind of... Southeast to some extent would be getting towards Glenlivet and Aberlour. Glenlivet and Aberlour are about 10, 15 minutes away from each other. Okay. And then, yeah, you just kind of keep traveling down through the highlands. You get to Perth mm. and then you'll, you'll reach Glasgow. And Glasgow and Edinburgh are, are just like 30, 45 minutes apart from one another. Okay. East and West. So these were uh, summer jobs that you summer were? Jobs, okay, got yeah. it. So Great. second and third year university, just working as a, well, as I was saying, at mm. Aberlour, and went in, and it was almost like a blessing in disguise, to be honest, because you go in, the team's that small, and two of the, the, the manager and the assistant manager of the mm. Heritage Centre at Aberlour were, um, were full-time, so you mm -hmm. were learning off them every day, oh. and your interaction with the other two team members, you were, you were in most days, you were working very closely with the distillery team, so the operators and the distillery manager, and picked up very, very fast in terms of, I think if I'd been at Glenlivet, it would have been, as I said before, a bit more fun in terms of yeah. you were with people more yeah. your own age and having a bit of a laugh and maybe not paying as much attention, but you, sure. you begin to took a lot of 
take a lot of pride in, in what you were doing and the tours you were taking out. And you had to be at a certain standard because the tours at Glenlivet are only about 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. And they are very, very good tours, don't get me wrong. Aberlour, you're there for an hour and a half, almost oh. two hours. Um, wow. You only do two tours a day. So the people that are coming to Aberlour are very... Um, They've booked long in advance. Yeah, yeah. They're they're you're kind of very much in the know. Fans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So seasoned drinker, big time. So <clears throat> a lot of that sounds like our experience in the craft distilling world in America. How you had that one-on-one interaction. You're out in the distillery every single day, mm. uh, experiencing that all, doing many different facets to the industry. You're not just one position. You're no. doing so many different things. Which it sounds this like what you were yeah, doing. Yeah, and you were just getting experience of. You were, you were all working on a small ship, kind of, as mm-hmm. such, but you were all working your damned hardest to make sure that ship was as best as it could be. Yeah. Um, Selling in one direction, definitely. Yeah. Not, I think I not, think And shooting down some dragons, you know? Maybe some, shooting down some dragons <laughs> yeah, with, some, exactly, with some spears, exactly. you know? I don't know. Jesus. What about that, by the way? Hey, don't deal with Thrones. Stop, come on. Come on. Wilson, you're the only person in the world that's going to watch Game of Thrones. That's, Hey, what if we just put some giant crossbows on the top in front of these ships? It's a bit of a that cop work, I right? felt. Yeah, yeah, right? It's like, hey, uh, first time shooting these bows yeah. on a ship, and we're hiding behind a mountain. You can't see us in the exactly. air. It would take them 45 minutes to load another spear onto That's one of those That's kind of what I thought, too. Yeah. <laughs> they got, like, take so they got, like, got like three guys to lift it, and I was oh, just and, like, and man, I saw... these guys missed an Olympia. And then to crank it back, <laughs> too. Yeah. Yeah. It would take them all day to load another spear. Yeah. I also love that Blom Brothers today posted um, the infamous <laughs> coffee cup replaced yeah. with a bottle of Blom Brothers. Well, on... that's what HBO did. So to edit out the coffee cup, they couldn't just paint over it. They had to add in so a bottle, really? bottle, bottle of bourbon. That's cool. Oh. So now anytime you... So you're you, an official sponsor of Game of Thrones um, or HBO? No, they did it for free. They're oh, just huge free. fans. Wow. So if you log on to HBO now right now and watch that episode, there'll just be a bottle of uh, Blonde Bros. Possibly bourbon. we could maybe have a sponsor of HBO on this podcast then. No. Oh, no, no synergy there. No, they do not like the podcast. They told ah, me. Yeah, there's. They don't tie in. I, yeah. I spoke to John Snow earlier on. He said he was <laughs> checking. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, Alan. Bring it on. So, um, yeah. So yeah, that was it. Really, um, was working there. And first year, you were doing a lot of tours, a lot of tastings, and you got a lot of responsibility from mm-hmm. from an early point. And then went back to university, finished my third year, went back to the distillery, and third year was a bit more kind of. You were trusted. It was exactly the same team going back in um, for that season. And we just had a new um, heritage manager come on site at Aberlour in that first year. So the first year was very much kind of like everyone was getting used to things. Well, me and him especially. Um, And then he'd worked there all year round. Me and Emma came back in for for that season. And it kind of just really took off. And it was a bit like, it was almost like a dream team. We all really got on really well. There was a bit of everything there. Um, and you were getting a lot of responsibility. And yeah. I think one of the biggest things I remember one day we were, um, we used to do three different kinds of tasting. We used to do the regular tour where people would come around, we'd do the hour and a half, and then we'd do a half an hour tasting on New Spirit and five whiskeys. And then there was one called Cast from the Past. So it was different expressions from older Aberlour expressions and some kind of closed down distilleries like Glenugie and places like that that mm-hmm. have kind of been mothballed over time. Um, and I remember one specific day, 
the boss, Ricky, was like, um, right, Alan, you're going to do a cast from the past today. It's these two people coming in from, from the industry. I think they were American, actually, um, thinking back. But they were long-term friends of the company. I think they'd been in the industry a long time. Great. And they were like, Alan Winchester is going to sit in with them because he's their good friend. Hmm. So Alan Winchester is the master distiller of Glenlivet. Yep. The Winchester collection, fantastic mm-hmm. wealth and knowledge wow. in the industry. <clears throat> and my first reaction was, why can he not do the tasting? Yeah. <laughs> um, because, because anything I'm going to say, he's just going to be yeah. able to go yeah. on for, for much longer and talk about it in much more depth. I hear you. No, one time the Robert, the owner of Cobol, walked into one of my tours and I'm like, well, um, he's gonna answer all your questions now. And, just call him, and he doesn't like doing public speaking that much. No, it's just like he's like, uh, any questions? I'm like, yeah, you go ahead and say whatever, because whatever I say is only gonna be, you know, it's gonna be true. Yeah. But it, like the, the actual fact, the person that's making it and had the creation of the company, like in the background of it, being a distiller since he was a kid, basically, yeah. you're, it, like you have much more knowledge than I can ever bring to the table. And that was exactly it, mate. It was one of those things where I was kind of sitting there and I was just, or before I was just like and you're reading over the notes yeah. and everything and you're just like preparing yourself for your anything head. possible and then yeah. before I went out um, the, the manager Ricky was like if we didn't think you were ready for this we wouldn't mm-hmm. be in the situation which was a big kind of push a, in the yeah. right direction and it was quite nice to hear um, especially only being pretty young at the time so um, went out and done the kind of tour and the special tasting with those guys and Alan sat in it and I would be t- talking to the guys and then he would jump in and say a few bits and pieces here and it was a fantastic learning experience because you were learning all, any time he opened his mouth you were learning oh, off yeah. him um, and that was my first kind of indication where I was, I was like I really like this you know like okay. speaking to people educating people um, having a conversation at the end of the day that's yeah. all we're yeah. doing we're educating but we're having absolutely. a conversation um, <clears throat> and from that point I was like I knew Chivas Brothers done a graduate program mm-hmm. and I was kind of obviously going back to my fourth year of university mm-hmm. and was like well, let's see how the degree goes, and I'll start putting the plans in place to apply for this. Yeah. So that was uh, that was kind of the background, and also um, going back home at that point, you were able. To, I was speaking to my dad at dinner, and I, was I wasn't say, telling yeah. to turn the TV up. I yeah. was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How did that, conver- yeah. how did that conversation cool. turn? You know, after really that cool. after that tour and after that experience of what a couple of years inside of the industry working there, you know, in the summer times, how did that did your relationship with your dad change? Yeah, I think we probably became a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big football guy. We've talked about yeah, Celtic. Yeah. We've talked about Liverpool and stuff. Uh, my dad doesn't really follow football. For you American fans, it's called soccer. Soccer, yeah. Don't call it so, that. Sorry. Don't, yeah. steep, don't steep to our, our level. <laughs> Just soccer. Uh, football. 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 <laughs> I sound Brazilian when you say it like that. Yeah. Uh, I am he, Spanish. He's Brazilian, yeah. so yeah. yeah well, they speak, they speak Portuguese, Portuguese, so. They speak Portuguese. Yeah. Let me mami There we go. What does that mean? Same shit. <laughs> I saw that happen one time between a Portuguese guy and I can't remember where the well, he was Brazilian but actually I can't remember where the guy who spoke Spanish was from and they're trying to speak to each other in Portuguese and Spanish thinking they could do it and no they're yeah they, a little bit here it's and there simil- it's, I mean, it's similar, it's similar. Yeah, it, it, there's a similarity to it but it's just different accentuations yeah. but the same you know Spaniards it's not like Portuguese the drunken Spanish yeah like uh, I could I, it's, it's not like Spanish and Italian in my opinion where they actually very relating uh, conversational words yeah. yeah but back to you back to back to Alan yeah. I only know it's, it's kind of like speaking American English and Scottish English yeah. what absolutely not 
<laughs> Honestly, as I said to you guys before when I've caught up with you for a drink, this is my international accent, so hope anyone, hope anyone hey, listening to the you're, podcast You're the first is, international guest. Well, there we go. Yeah. There, there we go. you go. We're Cheers. huge in Scotland now. Yeah, exactly. Huge in Scotland. Going to take over. Um, but no, uh, as I say, hopefully everyone can, can understand and appreciate my accent, but after a few drinks, I'm sure no one no, will have a plug. You're good. Um, People drink with us on the podcast. The yeah. yeah. Trying to figure it out. When you yourself are kind of buzzed up, you're like, oh, that sounded pretty good. Is, Don't that, know is that, that guy not from America? He's like, where's that guy from? I, honestly, I've told you this before, but so many times at whiskey festivals and stuff, mm. one in particular, not that long ago, just after the battle night, actually, yeah. for, yeah. for the first time, we had a, a person come up to the, the Aberlour booth it was towards the end of the evening and um, speaking for a while and don't get me wrong I think they'd been there since the doors opened so I think they'd had a few whiskeys anyway and they were like uh, never been there you're definitely an actor you're definitely an actor and I was like to be honest I was like at this point I don't care whether you think I'm an actor or not like it doesn't bother me one way or the other I've done pretty well not to break character for the last 10 minutes but but yeah so that was that and then kind of going back to your question the relationship yeah we kind of you know a lot of the same people and Mm -hmm. He was quite a good sounding board. My dad's very good at... Um, at that point, what was he... Where was he at? What was so he He doing? was a distillery manager, so he was looking after... So under Alan Winchester, who's yep. obviously in charge of the whole distilling team and looks after Glenlivet, like, entirely, like, the Winchester collection mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So he was looking after Scapa, was one of his, mm-hmm. um, which is a fantastic single yeah. malt. Yep. Um, Glen Berge, yep. uh, sure. Milton Duff, which is kind of, it's a smaller distillery, majority of it's used for blending purposes. Okay. Um, and also... Also Dal- in the Highlands. Sorry? Also in the Highlands. Well, Speyside, so very close okay. to, um, very close to Milton Duff. Milton Duff and Home of Valentine's is called, I'm losing it now, too much whiskey. Don't worry about it. Nah. Nobody will know. There we go. But um, we'll fact check also, later. also Dalmonic, which is the okay. new, it was the old Imperial distillery. And they re, Chivas Brothers rebuilt it in um, 2011, 10, 2012. Um, very economically efficient, um, environmentally friendly, mm. and kind of the, the flagship for, for new distilleries being built. Uh, oh. So he looked after four of the distilleries. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, as you say, the, the kind of conversation changed. It became a bit more. You knew a lot of the same people. You could have conversations about things and any production questions that I'd maybe been asked on tour that I would not not know the answer to, but would be looking for clarification on. Yep. You could bounce off him, and he's got a very kind of chemical background, a very kind of scientific background. Um, in that part of Scotland, you either go into Scotch whiskey or you go into oil and gas. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't clever enough for oil and gas. <laughs> and then in Scotch whiskey, there's two sides of it. There's either the marketing side of it and the kind of ambassadorial side, yeah, yeah. or there's the kind of production side. I wasn't clever enough for the production <laughs> side. So I knew I liked speaking to people and I knew I enjoyed a wee whiskey now and then. So yeah, there, was, there was only one route. I think that's why we're all at this table right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Speak we can all relate yourselves, to that. gentlemen. Speak for yourselves. As a brand ambassador. As a brand ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was, uh, was kind of it for me. Um, the, the relationship yeah. developed with my dad, it was, it was kind of one of those where you were just bouncing ideas off one another, or more so me bouncing ideas off him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> waiting for him to be like, I mean, it's no, great to have that, like, that capability of someone at your access who can supply so much information and help you advance in your career, um, advance in something you're obviously passionate about as well, too. So how many years are you in now, Alan? So if you include... Including your university time. Yeah, if you included those two kind of 
six month stints essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably going on going on four years now. Four so years if they now. were a year, sorry, three years. Okay. No, four years. If they were a year together, then after yeah. that, I applied for the program, got through onto the, the Shivas graduate program, and was in India for the last two years. That's right. Been, uh, yeah. How was that? How what was yeah, that? Like? What was that like? We've talked briefly about it, but yeah. it was over a few drinks. I don't remember exactly the whole conversation. Um, it was crazy. It was a, a fantastic experience. I don't think um, I wouldn't change it for the world. I think that's the biggest thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, India is is a fascinating country. Um, I know it's very generic and very kind of like oh, it went and changed my life in that. But it did teach me a lot in terms of it taught me a lot because it's the first time I'd lived away from home outside of Scotland, okay. and you were kind of going from one extreme to the other. Yes. Um, the Indian culture, learned so much about it, and don't get me wrong, but it was like an emotional roller coaster. It was sure. highs, the highs of the highs, and the mm-hmm. lowest of the yeah. lows. Um, but the place and the people, especially, um, was was phenomenal. The people I've never met a more a kind of friendlier race or group of people mm. who mm. very welcoming. They themselves, not everyone has a lot, um, but they would very happily give it out in terms of like a hospitality kind That's of. Cool. Where'd you um, live at? So moved about a little bit, lived in Hyderabad, which is in the south, lived there for, for moved out in the September, moved uh, to Hyderabad and lived there till the December. Mm-hmm. Then in the December, went home for Christmas, came back and moved to Delhi okay. and spent about nine months in Delhi to the following September and then moved to Bangalore in the south again. Oh, um, wow. Just depending on the kind of... There was different different factors that were kind of involved. Ba- Hyderabad at the start, I was young. I was only I was only twenty two. Yeah. I had a girlfriend in France. Um, I was convenient. Buying, I was by myself. Oh yeah, fantastic! Yeah. That long distance relationship. Man. They I always recommend work out. it to yeah. everyone. They always work out so well. Um, so what were you doing uh, for the distillery down in India? So I was again working as an ambassador, mainly on Ballantines. Okay. Um, mm. So Ballantines is blended Scotch is huge out there. Um, the, the whiskey market in India is, is fantastic and yeah this um, is twice now in the last two podcasts we brought up India and right, whiskey India yeah is, Jamie I never got yeah. a chance to, to listen to the last no, it's what, all was good. He, what was he saying about uh, Jamie she just uh, she, she brought it up no sorry um, that it should break into this market yeah. and uh, Wilson provided a little information about it as yeah, well there's but, three yeah. right now in the market now that you can only that job that I've that I've come across at Benny's right um, but Paul John just well Paul John Amarut mm-hmm. Amarut yeah. that's the one that I've enjoyed yeah Amarut yeah, yeah, fifth, so, yeah. 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 Uh, what's the other one uh, the third I cannot remember mm-hmm. um, but just in general just to to your point as far as um, India I just think it's it's an untapped market potential is I think it's crazy I mean obviously the huge population that's where it starts off at but then they also but there's also a status thing there too because there is no middle class yeah and but it's it's becoming growing now that's what we kind of saw as time went on Mm. that that middle class as you say wasn't existing and then it's becoming becoming more prominent and as that becomes more prominent people are now trading up from an Indian produced whiskey to a to a Scotch whiskey, okay. they're big whiskey drinkers. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I think yeah. I think it, like the stats are going to be a little bit off here, but something about eighty percent of the, the the drinkers over there are, are brown spirit drinkers, yeah. brown liquor drinkers, yeah. um, and they have their own local or uh, native Indian spirits as yeah, well. Yeah, like, yes. that was the other thing. When I moved there in, in uh, August two thousand and sixteen, it must have been ninety eight percent of what was drunk there in the brown liquor industry was produced there. Mm. Oh wow! So. Wow. Very big slice. Very, so very not only is it untapped in the United States, it's untapped of markets moving down to yeah, there. Exactly. Well, it's but I I remember when I did some 
research to get into that market is just it's more the importation aspect of it. Mm, There's yeah. just a high, high um, cost yeah. tariff. Yeah. Thank you. That's yep. it to uh, get into that market. But once and, you're in, yeah. and there are a lot of expected business deals that are Correct. not quite yeah. legal. Some okay. some very big companies have. Uh, a nice stronghold on it. Yeah, have been, well, and they've been forced to pay some fines for trying to bribe officials and stuff <laughs> like that. It's still a taboo as well. Another yeah. thing, like, to a certain extent, yeah, Delhi and Mumbai and Bangalore and Hyderabad and Chennai, Calcutta, places like that, like alcohol, a younger generation is now consuming alcohol. Oh. However, their parents and perhaps their grandparents even more so, whis- whiskey, alcohol was still a taboo subject sure. up until... 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Okay. So it's still a very relatively new alcohol market. Yeah. Although the population is, what, 1.6 billion or something yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. So how did you guys approach that market? What was your strategy or what were you trying to accomplish while you were down there? Um, I don't, I'm still trying to figure <laughs> out. <laughs> I guess are we all... Uh, no, 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 not yeah. at all. Um, the, the team there, fantastic. The the guys that work for, for Perno, obviously were part of the bigger group um, over there, were exceptional in terms of letting us settle. We were there for two years, so there was myself and another um, whiskey ambassador on the Scotch side of things went out, a guy called Paul O'Connor. The most, if he was on the podcast, you'd never understand him. <laughs> first, the first time we ever went into a bar, myself and Paul, so he's from a place called Steps in Glasgow, which is a, a, a North Glasgow, let's not say the, the nicest area of Glasgow, but a yeah. fantastic yeah, guy. Sure. If you ever go to Scotland, his family own a bar called The Pot Still. It's one of the fun, oh. best whiskey oh. bars in, uh, let's go, guys. in Scotland. So. If you ever go, Let's just go. we're gonna record say, uh, a podcast there. There we go. <laughs> if you say you know Paul O'Connor, you'll probably get told to fuck off. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, he um, he and myself went out, and um, I think he got threatened with elocution lessons before we'd went. We were out in a bar the first night, and uh, we arrived on a Friday. Celtic and Rangers were actually playing on the Saturday, so we were Ooh. like, "Oh, we'll go out for a few drinks, take it easy." we'll go out and um, we'll see what happens. So we're in a bar and we're just like speaking to the guy. We're both working on predominantly on Ballantines. Okay. And <laughs> we're speaking to the bartender and I think I've told you this one before, but speaking to the bartender and the, the bartender's looking, specifically Paul's speaking to him and he's just looking at his lips and he's like, I can see <laughs> squinting at his mouth. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Paul's looking at me and I'm like, right, slow down, speak a bit like, yeah. Speak a bit slower, so pronunciate everything. So Paul starts pronunciating everything. <laughs> and the bartender leans over the bar. It's pretty quiet. Leans over the bar, taps him on the shoulder and says, Sir, I'm so glad you changed into English. <laughs> <laughs> so from that point onwards, oh. I was like, fuck, it's going to be a long two years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were you kind of uh, guaranteed or commit yourself to two years down there? Or Yeah, like... Um, we, we kind of went out with the expectation okay. of two years. The, the people that had maybe been there before us, the other ambassadors, some, some had left for different reasons, but um, we were going out there to, to fulfill a commitment for yeah. two years um, and just kind of deliver in terms of what the support, the PR India team support, okay. what they wanted to do. And we tried our best to do it. We felt that we'd done a very good job um, in terms of, because you're, you're, it's a big cultural difference. I think yes. that was the hardest thing. Work for me was probably easier than the adaptation outside of work. Okay. Um, 
because... Well, you're doing what you're normally yeah. doing. Did you have a distributor to work with down there, or how does that differ so the way, from the United so States? So the way it works, yeah, it's, yeah it just okay. goes directly to them. Okay. So uh, it doesn't go through a distributor. So to a certain extent, it was... Which is great. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit easier in that respect. And that's why coming to the U.S. has been quite an eye-opener, because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what I've been used to for the last two years. And you've been going into stores and working with sales guys and key account managers directly mm-hmm. who yeah. can sell in. Whereas here, obviously, has to go through. A, a yeah, what, what's correct. the difference in approach to that? I mean, I think when you, as all of us who are brand ambassadors, you walk into a store, and or walk into a bar, whatever it may be, and say, you know, have a meeting, try to sell your brand, whatever it may be. You aren't the final decision at the end of the day because yeah. you're also based on your distributor. Was it easier to walk into accounts? Did the accounts want to talk to you more? Yeah, and I guess the thing is, you can you can offer things on a plate there, mm-hmm. and then like um, you can like kind of stickers. Over the exactly love stickers. <laughs> Walk around Do with you? this. I love stickers. The scratch and sniff ones. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Good. All of those fucking. Stuff. Do you have any for today? No, damn it. Sorry. Uh, just I'm beer and whiskey today. Just beer and whiskey today, man. That's all I got. Yeah. But um, some good whiskey. That's fine. But uh, yeah, India was a little bit different in that respect. In terms of, it was a, I guess, easier to some extent at the start. Probably harder. Yeah. yeah the cultural difference, probably. Yeah. But here, what I feel is. It's just it's about relationships. So you're managing probably more relationships here. Yes. Because you've got to have a relationship with uh, not only your internal kind of key account sales guys coming from the distributor, but you've also got to have that relationship with the the bar or the off trade. Mm-hmm. Whereas over there, you were kind of you were missing out that distributor relationship. So instead of managing three relationships, you're only managing two. Excuse me. And at the end of the day, even if your key account guy like you weren't getting on with him the best, you could still have a relationship with the, the bar yeah. or the, the off-trades. So. How did you guys approach the market there? Did you already have certain accounts that you were focusing on that you had relationships with, or were you just kind of cold-calling it? No, 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 big time. Like um, In terms of the, the brands, we were lucky enough to be in a position where we were already established to a certain okay. extent. Great. Um, so we had key account managers that already had relationships. We're responsible for quite a large part of the country, so the focus for us wasn't necessarily on like going in and, as you say, the kind of cold calling yeah. aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Those relationships were already developed, Great. and we were kind of traveling around to, to help sell in and sure. to really just help provide a little bit more education. It's like, yeah. it's like any market in that part of the world, I guess, mm-hmm. where because it's still relatively new, yeah. education is key. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think that regardless of level, I think education should always be first and foremost mm-hmm. because it's always ever-changing. You mentioned the distillery and back home in your homeland where they're going, I guess, more of a uh, green forward yeah. you know, manner as far as pr- production, whereas here, you know, we're constantly educating because yeah. we are the smaller <clears throat> guy, right? Yeah. you know. But do you find yourself in that same realm as far as the arena and as far as being a brand ambassador here? It's like, I'm Scotch. You're the hottest thing right now. Scotch is hot. Yeah, but, but I see, but see you, from an outside perspective, I would say the opposite. I would say you guys are hot. Okay, I yeah. would say, like, going in other places, like, around the world, in Scotland, and maybe not as much in India because it's still relatively new, but okay. there's still those, those, those first footers I would call them the people who have kind of just went out and they'll come back and they'll be like oh yeah I was in I was in the states I was in yeah. New York or Chicago or yeah. I don't know LA and I was trying uh, I was trying this bourbon or whatever this this craft bourbon yeah so over here I feel that we get a little bit of that because it's scotch whiskey but over in other countries especially like UK and mm-hmm. to some extent India mm. the, the hotness is 
is coming from it's, the heat is coming from the United States. States. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, so yesterday, That's or right. two hot. days ago, I was over at one <laughs> of know, the... As soon as I said that, I was just like, I just called everyone in the room hot. And it's, hot. It's all yeah, it got warm so up here. Hot. Yeah. It kind of already is. <laughs> Matt's, Matt's, Matt's mustache is twitching. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all handles a bit. No, a bead okay. of sweat coming down from my mustache across the corner of my mouth. No, like, uh, so Miranda Harrison Pius, who's been on the podcast, one of our friends here, um, local rep as well for MGP, and we ran each other at Benny's the other day we both were just looking at the uh single malt section and obviously there's a variety of international brands and american brands that are coming into that to that market and we're just both go what the fuck are we doing <laughs> i mean it's such an oversaturated market of amazing brands um great stuff okay stuff as well but do you mean like what do, what the fuck are we doing in this what's the like, how are we going to succeed in single malt in single malt just over or just in like, I mean, we're, just, we're looking yeah. at single malt b- yeah. brands right there and then mm-hmm. like behind us is just a whole giant row of bourbons oh. Oh. and the other side it's all scotches yeah. like <clears throat> where do we all fit into this category I mean I, I think I fit on that middle well, shelf that's well, right I, <laughs> well I think um, I think it's tough you know because we're not going to create new drinkers that's not the no. charge for us no we're all competing with a little slice for a little slice of someone's gut we all want the, the explorers we want the person that's going to go out there and try everything at this table yeah. right exactly. now which includes and we have like five drinkers. whiskeys at this but, table but right now includes new drinkers new drinkers yes yeah. to to some extent, but there's not, that's a smaller level of growth. So what's growing faster is people going from having two bottles open at home to 10 bottles open at home. Mm. And that's where it's really important. And, you know, the education piece is like getting in front of this. Well, Cask Anam is a great uh, addition to your collection because of this as opposed to this. Mm. You know, uh, Blom Brothers and Union Horse are great additions to your collection because of this and not this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're always filling a gap. We're, we're trying, always, to, fi- we're, trying we're, to fill a we're gap. We're always filling well, just... the market itself as well. There's always a white hole that you're trying to fill. Yeah, exactly. So, so, just, so enters Australian whiskey. Okay. <laughs> well, and Jamie Duff, Duffy was talking about that last yeah. week. Yeah. You know, so I think it's interesting. You know, we're all, we're all kind of occupying a similar space, although not exactly the same category. Yeah. Because... Um, Aberlauer is not uh, McAllen just as much as I'm not, you know, Knob Creek or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, another point on that I, I think is that where we might all be competing for a similar slice of the pie yeah. as such. However, if education improves overall and everyone's driving towards that, it means that everyone's better informed to make that decision. That's amazing. I mean, to hear that from so somebody true. from the outside market coming from a Scotch brand where. We've all represented American brands. It's that's amazing to hear. I'm sorry, I'm um, Hispanic American. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, just saying, you're that's still, a, still a, in America. That's a huge piece to it too. Making yeah. sure that people are drinking better, yes. not exactly more. Yeah. Because yeah. that's a huge charge to just be like, hey, don't you want to drink a? Well, I think twice saying, as much. I think saying you used better to? is. I think that's a little too much. To better is subjective. Yeah, better. I mean, better is subjective because you look at McKenna. Stretchy, yeah. It was a $27 bottle a month and a half ago. Yeah, wins I mean, all these awards. Like now it's a $40 bottle. Yeah. Still good whiskey. Yeah. Don't worry about it. But at the same time, it's all subjection. And it kind of the market kind of decides where your price point is. And price point doesn't always say that's the best. Well, I think what also plays into pl- is distilleries actually... I'm sorry if I'm not saying this properly, but they're... Oh, no, you are. <laughs> they're playing themselves out of the market because they're not putting out a quality product. Do you mean they're putting out too many products? No, no, no. It's just 
or two of there a, are, there an, are just, there an, are just er, an early product? An early product. Okay. So they kind of eliminate themselves. That's the, the word I was looking for. Okay. Elimination is within each distillery. And it's those distilleries who... You're speaking course, from American Craft? From level? American Craft, because okay. I'm not well-versed in the international side of things, which is I'm happy to have both of you as my friends to educate me on that. You have a new friend now, too. Yeah. I know. That's what I said, my new two friends. Um, he is... Uh, <laughs> Not mentioning me as his friend. Your mustache, your mustache is his friend. Your mustache is not. And you your mustache is not welcomed in my house. It's touch. <laughs> it's touching you right now. I'm not even doing that. Stop, as a mind of stop rubbing his face. <laughs> but you know, it's just one of those things. Like you know, Matt was talking about the the you know we're not in position for the new for the new drinker, but I think we still are. Yeah. Oh, because we are. Yeah. New new drinker scotch. How many people have I met that? I drink scotch. What do you have closest to that? Mm. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah, like how I brought you scotches at yes. World of Whiskies. And, and I, see, I see the other side as yeah. well. I see uh, normally a bourbon drinker. Do you have anything that's similar in that flavor profile? So it's kind of yeah. like you, you see both ends of the spectrum. Right. It's a way to it's, relate. It's a, yeah, exactly. It's, it's about education, I feel, because... First of all, I'm here to obviously work on Aberlour and develop the brand, and it's the brand I started with. and It's always going to have that kind of special place. However... I'd rather educate people about Scotch whiskey as a category in general. Yeah. And then if they like Aberlour, then that's fantastic. And that's that would be great for me. However, the, the education side of things is, is definitely prominent because the, you can get people, I guess, who maybe just they're there to sell their product and they're there to sell it in. But is that leaving that person more educated? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, I, I love that. I love that too. I mean, the other night I was at a bar and drinking a little Star Wars and there's the wine barrels that's a big part of our, our barrel aging process. It's a large part of the identity of the product is that it's aged in red wine barrels and bringing that single malt feel to a whole different version with that. You go ahead and drink that, Matt, since you never tried it. I, or, I have been drinking Excellent. it. He has oh. been drinking oh, it. Oh, there you go. And um, I was sitting next it's to, good. to a... <laughs> it's good. Uh, such a great a vote of confidence. But there was a couple drinking some white wine and they heard me talking to the bartender about the product and because they were wine drinkers, they were interested in it. Yeah. And they tried it and when they left... Uh, said thank you like they had a great drink and great conversation and you're like, you never know what actually somebody really feels about the brand once they leave yeah, and be nice to your face yeah. but the bartender comes up to me and says hey they're regulars they come in three four times a week their kids names are on the cheeseburgers of the actual on the menu like so they're very much regulars and he uh, and the bartender told me he goes i've never seen her drink anything other than wine oh, so wow. if you can drink get cool. her to drink whiskey which is a new whiskey drinker and especially such a rare brand like mine it's it's cool to see that impact you can have but it, like, but it all started with that education that one-on-one personal level and by happy chance oh, they man. got it for free yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's death too when you when you have your bottle on a bar on a back bar somewhere and that a customer will sit down at the bar and ask like hey what's Blombros and the yeah. bartender says oh, I don't know it's a horrible let's read the bottle it's absolute death well, you I mean, gotta have you you gotta have your a, sta- a staff educated on that true and that and that's not to put it on the restaurant or bar you know they're no. busy that's yeah. on yeah. us you only yeah. have 120 bottles yeah, back there for our, a small I mean, bar but also there's over 5,000 bottles in restaurants in the city of Chicago alone yeah. We cannot hit every single fucking no. one of those guys. No. And you don't, want and to, you don't need to. And we're not even available good, in every single Yeah, one. I was going to yeah. say, good news, none <laughs> of us are in. Five, <laughs> yeah. oh, five I, I am yeah. 1,222 away. Maybe. What? Just to say you are not. That number, cool. No, I am not. No one's going to argue. I, I, was, I would say Jack's the only place that probably yeah. inside of every bo- every place that has a whiskey <laughs> license. But, um, no, but, I mean, if you think about it, education, obviously, to go back to that point, because I, it's, 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 it, I think it's number one on the... 
small brand side of things. Education is key. Education is everything that we can offer. It's probably the only thing we can offer sometimes that either makes or breaks a deal. So if we go in there, and one of the first things that they ask you is, can you come in and, and educate my staff? Absolutely. Because yeah. yeah. no one else does. That's you where know. I want to start. That's uh, where you want to start. Yeah, That's I mean, where your staff. In fact, you know, when I come in and do a tasting, how many of your staff are going to be there? Yeah. So That's I can bring thing. ample amount of whiskey. And I'll go, and oh, how, it's just going to be yeah. this and that person, you know. And how long have they got as well? Because yep. yeah. you, you yeah. don't really, in my opinion, you don't really want to be rushing it because you want them to be able to sit there and take the time to ask questions as yes. well because yeah. you, you need that you need that kind of feedback you need that yeah. okay well I understood that but because just because I explain it in a certain way it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean you're going to understand it or no. you're going to understand are you, it are you going to leave them with the impact is the biggest thing and, yeah. exactly. and, and them asking those questions is where it's going to lead to if they're curious about the product so what's first taste or, edu- or information for me personally, I mean, obviously, I'm new as to this brand, but not new as into representing brands. Is that I want to go in and say hello, and say when's an edu- education time available for you? Don't have to taste it right now. I'll bring it back and start off from there. It's going to take a little more time, but also as an Australian whiskey, where no one even knows that whiskey's basically being produced at this point in the states, that's where I start with more high profile brands or saying like you're a scotch whiskey do you have a different experience even though Avalor maybe isn't like the top level known name in America right now yeah. they are familiar with okay we, we know what scotch is so yeah I guess it's kind of similar like you obviously start with Speyside which is like yep. the region and the most proficient region in Scotland exactly. um, and then I try and break it down in levels so I talk a little bit about double cast maturation and how that will impact different aspects of flavor profile and how it'll impact the whiskey um i guess it depends on time as well because if you're wanting if you're wanting to go in and leave them with that that impact you need you need time to speak to people you need time to Mm -hmm. i i when i go in and i speak to people i often try to get an understanding of what they drink and what what their flavor profiles are like because then you've got an understanding of what they can relate to whether it's if they're I don't know, say they're gin drinkers and they're drinking diff- things with different botanicals, you're okay, so maybe they've got more of a kind of a fruitier palate. Mm-hmm. They can discuss yeah. flavors that are coming in from the sherry cast, for exactly. instance, like dry fruit, like raisin and plum. You can talk about things that they can relate to because as soon as you go in and give it heavy, thick on the the kind of scientific side of things or what, people switch you off. You lose them. People yeah. switch off. So you're saying we should tailor it more to what they deal with on more on a day I try basis. to. That's not necessarily the right way. I think it's a great approach. Mm-hmm. And I think what right. we've been kind of getting at too, which we've talked about a lot, is that what do you gain from the experience of the bottle? What do you, yeah. What does it call back to? Don't, don't tell me what your taste is. Tell me what do you does it take you back to a yeah, certain feel, stuff, yeah. a certain smell, um, yeah, a certain thought, yeah. a certain taste of of, of dessert of a of a dinner you've had a moment in time a moment in time exactly and that's that old school approach to selling whiskey that yeah. it comes from in the whole bourbon industry and I think that's the kind of the approach that you're looking at right yeah, now yeah no too. honestly uh, before whenever I'm doing a tasting I'll always talk about different things different aspects as we're going mm-hmm. through the range when I get to an 18 year old Aberlour I always say to people before I'm always like what were you doing 18 years ago when this was made yeah I can see Wilson smirking, and I'm probably sure I don't want to know what he was doing 18 years ago when it was being made. For me personally, what I would do, when I used to do tours and things like that, I would ask somebody, what, I'll bring it back to the whole barrel aging experience that happened, not at our level because we weren't barrel aging as long as some of these historic distilleries in America. Yeah. But. The whole distillation process, explain that. Explain the whole process of what it takes to get that product from the mash tank into the barrel. 
and then say, can you wait 23 years for this? Because of a distiller's life, lifespan, he might never even taste that third batch of whiskey that he produced. Yeah. And it's like, what, what could you give up in your life without ever actually experiencing ever again? Yeah. And if that could happen to a distiller here in the States, that's barrel aging something for 23 years when it comes into the bourbon industry or whatever industry yeah. you might be a part of. And obviously it reaches out more into Scotland as well yeah. and other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And I would ask that question to people and you know, inevitably most of the would come up as, my daughter, my son, my husband, my wife. And these people that are built inside of this industry or have given their life to this industry, that's basically what these products have become. So, for, yeah, it's, for it's a liquid people. legacy that they leave behind. I love oh, that. It's, I like um, that. Liquid legacy. I can't, I can't take that. that as myself. It's yeah. uh, <laughs> one of the Glenn Levitt Global Ambassadors, a big guy, Ian yeah. Logan, fantastic guy. One of the first guys that I had... Yeah. Um, Bill's trying to Bill's Bill's jumping in on the other lower cask and on the scotch. But that liquid legacy you talk about, I mean, that's it's huge, and that's I think that's the impact that the companies that we work for now here in the states they're trying to develop that, get to that point. Um, I mean, I know sitting in that master class the other day at Benny's with the Blom Brothers, they're trying to build something not just for themselves but for their family. I mean, it's totally built for what's going to happen after we leave this behind. There are. Um, you know, so, so many, you know, kids of Blombro's employees who we look forward to uh, <laughs> being future Blombro's employees, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Where, uh, where do you, th- I mean, how many kids do they have between them? Uh, Matt Blum, the older brother, is three. Mike Blum, the younger brother, is two. Okay. And um, are the kids at all, how old are they? Or are they interested oh, at the all? The oldest one, I think, is 12 or okay. 13. Okay. So. So potentially could like start like helping out in the distillery in some aspects soon. Sure, yeah. I mean, pretty relatively soon, you know. But um, uh, but I mean, even now they understand what their dads do, yeah. you know, and what they're trying to do. You so know? they're pretty. I mean, what the oldest is seven when they first started the distillery. Then? Yeah, I think so. I yeah, <laughs> and the youngest I think was about a week old when okay. the ribbons were cut. Really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, seriously? Yeah, Jack. Oh, wow. Jackie Blom is six or seven years old. So. Okay. Oh, how scary is that to start their whole, uh, whole entire company and they have a kid on the way? And yeah, and they quit their, they quit their jobs. The The brothers quit their yeah. jobs. They moved to Galena and do that. So. What were they doing before that? I'm, I never knew. I never... Sweet Matthew was in the pharmaceuticals, <laughs> so okay. he uh, franchises... Sweet, Sweet Matthew is not Matt. No, no, it's Matt Blom. <laughs> so he, um, he franchised out uh, nuclear pharmacies, so oh, they wow. would sell the dyes that you inject with people before their uh, certain tests. Really? Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike Blom, I might have talked about it on my, on my epi- first episode. Ooh, feels like a lifetime ago. It was a lifetime ago. That was uh, when we only had one download. Now we're 2,000 downloads later? What? That's crazy. Yeah. 1,999 uh, of them mine. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure who's downloading this podcast. That, keep that. Put that on. Um, Put that cap inside on. Put that cap. It is Beguile's uh, summer release. It feels like tonight, so or today. So there's flamingos and captain's hats all around. So Alan now just wearing a captain hat. Mike Blum, actually dovetailing with our esteemed guests for the day, he uh, did a lot of it because he uh, worked for the NSA in York, England, among among other places in uh, in Europe. He um, learned his distilling at Springbank. Oh wow, that's right, Campbelltown. Yep. Um, I mean, not it wasn't a, it wasn't intent. He didn't he wasn't underemployed there, but he took 
basically their entire roster of classes and stuff yeah. and went to school there. Yeah, so. it's cool to see that there's a lot of relationship of American distilleries back to Scotland, too. Yeah. Oh, they, of course. Uh, you know, visit Scotland. or James T. Crow, yeah. one of the revolutionary bourbon heroes, you know, of of uh, our first wave of American bourbon, you know, learned oh, all of his stuff. Yeah. Yep, all oh. of his stuff from Scottish distillers. And that's brought back. But, That's yeah, awesome. I mean, like, honestly, if it wasn't for the failed experiments of barley being trying to laid in uh, the eastern parts of the United States back in the 1600s, we wouldn't have bourbon today because so cor- corn was so prevalent. They brought yeah, the rye, exactly. they brought the barley for, um, well, from I mean, Europe. All right, well, hold on a second. Barley isn't necessary. For no, what? it's just a cereal. Well, for it is single for scotch. For, yeah. for scotch, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Bur- well, no, 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 because, so in the early in, settlers, they, they brought barley over to the States to plant. Oh, I see. It just didn't take okay. as well. And then when they started expanding more west and they saw that yeah. corn was so prevalent, it became gotcha. the main grain. And then now today, it's my Rye did. I got a little defensive Rye there. Rye did, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the old wor- <laughs> is Rye an old world grain? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, but it was also, it could be grown here in the States that we still yeah. see today. Pennsylvania, but, yeah. Maryland. But like yeah. barley is better grown out in the northwest part of the country too. where yeah. it has similar climate to so Scotland. Northeast yeah. of Scotland, yeah. 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 Northeast so that, of Scotland's prevalent, like Aberdeenshire. And mm-hmm. that's what, one thing that's great about Aberlour is a lot of, the whole pr- the whole product is coming from yeah. within thirty miles of the study. It's like about us. I know the captain's. <laughs> <laughs> it's distracting. I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel like Popeye. I can't. <laughs> before before he's had the spinach. <laughs> I can't look at you, Alan. Please continue talking, but I'm gonna look in the opposite um, direction. But no, it, it's very prevalent in that part of Scotland, and I feel like um, I feel like it's it's yeah, it's kind of it's kind of close to the story. The, the Scotch whiskey industry relies on three ingredients it relies on malted barley it relies on water and it relies on yeast and i always get asked that here like what's the what's the secret why is there why is there so many distilleries in scotland and they have the same three ingredients and they taste differently because there's so many variables that are included in the process i mean you go down the road and the the geography and the climate be so much different wherever you go well i mean belvini and glenfiddich are across the street from each other and they taste completely different exactly it's like dufton like they say rome was built on uh, seven hills and dufton was built on seven stills (laughs) 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 i like that but yeah it's one of those where it's it's uh, it's fascinating one thing I wanted to actually ask you guys was, um, mm. what, I know, here we go, flipping the podcast I like on. it. Um, it was just about the, the marketing of American whiskey to, to a younger generation. Okay. How, um, have you seen that change over the last maybe 5, 10, 15 years? Oh, yeah. I mean, so much. We're, when I was in college 10 years ago, um, graduating college 10 years ago, I'm an old man now, uh, <laughs> uh, we drank Shit. Jack Daniels at best. Right. Jameson at best, yeah. yes. and that was a good night. That was like, hey, someone's uncle gave me twenty bucks, you know, for the weekend. So let's go buy a good bottle. Um, you know, you go have those we call Chicago handshakes, where you get a PBR and a shot of Jack and a cigarette for like five bucks. Wait, about to say a shot of Malort, I was like, okay. and that's now. Uh, that, now that's, that's what it is. Yeah, that's that's like now the past five years or so, or three years. But um, for sure, it was never about having good spirits. It was about just drinking whatever you drink. Yeah. And from a privileged perspective of having to do the tours at Cobol for so many years, I saw people come in that were 22 years old, 23 years yeah. old, um, maybe in their mid-20s and late-20s that are starting to make a little bit of money, have that extra income to spend. Mm-hmm. And they come by, spend $10 on a tour, and then $50 on a bottle at the end of the day as mm-hmm. well. I think that cl- that drinking climate has changed so much yeah. as the breweries grew. Um, okay, right. yep. Craft beer is obviously <clears throat> huge in the States, huge in Chicago. We have 225 yes. craft breweries. Yeah. And it really helped expand the palate, I think, of getting people off of what is Bud Light, Miller Light, all of your domestic approaches to 
drinking noises, um, drinking quality IPAs and quality brews that were produced here, like in this brewery we're yeah. sitting in right now, where you can get now nowadays too. It's like you can get a good brew for five bucks at a brewery versus going to a sports bar and spending five dollars on a Bud Light. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's n- there's no reason to drink poorly anymore. The, exactly. The, premium, the premiumization like, of everything has taken such a leap. Yeah. Um, it, but even even aside from that. I think a big difference too, and we've talked about it on this, it's a popular um, point from us on this podcast mm-hmm. is so much drinking has transitioned from, for, for young people too, from at the bars to at home. Yes. Yeah. Yep. With, w- where uh, people can, you know, afford to jump from, you know, I brought in uh, a gift shop, Four Roses Single Barrel, jump from Four Roses Yellow Label to... Yeah. You know, yeah. the small batch or from wild graduate from wild turkey to wild turkey decades or whatever. You know, I've I have a couple of friends who are, you know, fr- friends of friends, but I, I, I know them pretty well, who um, have a timeshare of a bottle of, uh, <laughs> yeah, Brook Lottie Black Arts. Like three of them, <laughs> three of them chipped in money. They're all in their mid to late 20s. Three of them chipped in and bought. Uh, a Brook, cool. uh, $500 Brook Lottie bottle, yeah. and they only drink it when they're hanging out together. That's awesome. And I, I, I totally, I love so that. Yeah, finished, I love that. We just finished a bottle of Black Arts at a Fountainhead last week. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> you and Dave? Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, it's, it's, I think the climate for drinking has changed completely um, yeah. here in the States. You see people, you see bums literally drinking sometimes like good products of like alcohol yeah sometimes Wilson, drink better than Wilson, me because Wilson gives them um, <laughs> well, well, yeah, I do <laughs> I do I give I did I do give <laughs> he's been known to give a I've been, uh, I've been known a to needy, give uh, a needy man a little uh, extra comfort for the evening you know a little extra <laughs> not in a sexual way no man just you know a little liquid love you know? <laughs> in a sexual way I don't it's know a little maybe. liquid love damn it we'll keep it at that no, uh, I got some liquid love for you out of a bottle it's me Dirty Bill you guys recording a podcast up here yeah. And that's where Dirty Bill, get the that's, hell out of here. That's where the, All right, I'm leaving. That's where the wheels fall off the podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it also is kind of time to wrap up because Bugal is opening their uh, top space for record here in about 10 minutes or so. Um, so we kind of have to get out of here before they realize that we are recording a podcast for free. For Matt, free. Matt's got to go rent free. I got to go back to that. Well, <laughs> Wilson needs to get that flamingo off him. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. He's been eyeing that flamingo all I've been day. eyeing that flamingo but No, Alan, day. is there anything else you want to add? Um, to yeah, no, I just want to say thank you all very much for, for having me on. I think it's uh, it's, it's been fantastic. Yeah. I've had a good little chat. Um, I'd love to jump back on at some point for and, sure. and continue. But uh, no, I think Aberlour, for me, kind of started the journey. and It's it's kind of where I am today. And I um, have a lot of thanks to, to the company as a whole. But yeah. Yeah, going back to the education thing, I'm here as a representative for Aberlour, but I'm also here as a representative for Scotland as well, Scotch whiskey. Um, And I think it's a fantastic opportunity. Chicago is such a fantastic city. I'm glad we're into the summer now because that winter, that polar vortex (laughs) was not for me. (laughs) Got promised this and came when it was minus 40, man. Is this your first summer in Chicago? First summer, mate. Arrived in January. Fun summer summer in Chicago. This is all I've heard since I've been here. Oh, yeah, it's the best. 100 days. Place in America, that's what you get. Not a day. 100 days. Yeah. Not a day less, not a day more. No, we take advantage so of it. Every is this it started or when's it start? June 26th. I would say, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like, that is the first day of summer. Once we get to June, we have like consistent warm weather, not hot, but warm. Yeah. I like that though. I can deal with that because uh, 
and then back, July, July India was know. too hot, man. Like, oh, yeah. bet. one day in India, well, just a few like, days we, got, we got a little time for a, a short, short finisher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we were in India and there was a guy working on Jameson, um, <laughs> and he was a, he was also an artist. And it was the height of summer, right? So we're in August in Delhi in India, 41 Celsius. So what's that in Fahrenheit? It's like 120 hot. something, like that. maybe <laughs> yeah. 110, 120. Dry heat. And <laughs> this guy was like, all right, I'm doing a showcase of my art pieces at a, an, a gallery. So we're like, oh, we'll go along Saturday afternoon. We'll go show a bit of support. Yep. <laughs> never never told us that it was an outdoor gallery. So <laughs> anyway, we arrive. A and it's melting off the canvas. Yeah, honestly, man, like, I'm not even joking. Oh, like, I was like, no. it was very, very contemporary art. And I'm, I'm a fan of art, but yeah. not in 41 degree heat or no. 41 Celsius heat. Um, so I walk in and... Uh, I'm there for, I'm not even kidding, I'm there for about seven minutes, seven minutes total, walking around this gallery before I'm, I'm dripping in sweat, I sweat quite a lot, I was dripping Same. in sweat, and uh, in that time, I saw three girls faint because of the heat, oh, and I was oh, just like, man. I thought they were fainting because his art was that bad, but uh, <laughs> they were fainting because of your good looks, that's all it was, and uh, and yeah, after that, I was just like, so as long as it doesn't get to that temperature, yeah, 120 might, here, one, no? A day or two, but nothing too crazy. Not 120. No. Just only because of the humidity. Yeah, 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 no. Just jump into it's the Chicago River, you'll be all right. That's a good Do little, not jump in the Chicago River. Don't jump in the river or the lake. Do not listen to Will. Do not listen to the lake. Do not jump into that fucking river. Only pools manufactured by... the beaches down on, like... Yeah, jump in. Go to the beach. Yeah, yeah. The lake, absolutely. Absolutely. That's the place to hang out. So for me, it looks like a sea, but it must be because it's a lake. It must be fresh water, right? It's fresh, yeah, it's fresh water. Sweet. Yeah, but also our toxic waste goes in there. <laughs> Don't tell anybody that. Um, no, but it's a. Uh, I'll come out with a mustache like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good place to wrap up of that anecdote. To have fun here in Chicago as hopefully the warmer months approach. Um, Matt, anything you want to th- promote or throw out? Uh, just my Instagram account, official Matt Brown Fan Club. You can see him there naked sometimes with a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> sure, and, uh, why Wilson not? is at 312 Made, representing the great and only Union Horse Distilling Co. And Matt also represents Blom Brothers. What's their handle? Uh, it's just Blom Bros. Okay. One more event, um, Moreno's uh, Liquor Store that we talked about in oh, episode yeah. 5. 42nd birthday party. Uh, it's spanning two right. days. Yeah. Uh, May 17th and May 18th. Yeah, get there next weekend, guys. Yeah. Um, for sure. Uh, we are, I'm going to be out of town the next few weeks, so we are going to yeah. bank some podcasts next week um, to get one out still every uh, every week, every Friday for you all to enjoy. Beguile might figure out we're recording a podcast up here next week because we are interviewing them to promote their May Festiversary, which is one of their biggest uh, parties of the year over a whole weekend span here later on in May. For me, um, for us, we are at keyinthelake.com. Um, you can check out some stories there. wrote about the speed rack challenge that happened here in Chicago last week. Anything with promote, Ellen? I just want to throw it. Now we're going on yeah. the Instagram. We're plugging all the Instagrams yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. But can I just throw it? Aberlour, Chicago. Um, just give it a follow. If, yeah. you, if you're looking for anything in the city yeah. to do with the Scotch whiskey or you're wanting anything to, to do kind of with, with us, give us, a, give us a wee shout and uh, we'll take it from there. Absolutely. Just jump in. No, on that. no, that's great. No, all, all good. Um, and we are at keenlake.com on Twitter mostly and Instagram or Instagram mostly. For all that <laughs> access to Twitter, we don't really use that much. Um, but And you can find me at Jake Hookie um, on Instagram as well. Give us a shout out if you want to have any conversations with us or to have any um, questions for us to talk about on the podcast or any topics, please let us know for that in the future too. Other than that, guys, thanks for hanging out with us. Alan, thank you for coming on and hanging out with us and drinking with us, bringing some delicious whiskey. And for all of us here, it's one big cheers. Have a great uh, rest of your week because it is a Monday we listen to this. Oh, I like that.